Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Welcome to The Point with me, Li Xin, an opinion show coming to you from Beijing. Three prime ministers in two months. What is going on in the United Kingdom? Rishi Sunak has taken the reins of a country bogged down in political and economic turmoil, with energy prices set to increase 80% in October and consumer prices up over 10% in September from a year earlier. How serious are the woes that led to the sudden shift in power? Can the new leader unite the Conservative Party and the country to end the economic crisis? And what will be his solution to the UK's political and economic problems? I'm pleased to be joined here in the studio by Ina Tangan, senior fellow of the Taiha Institute think tank, and Zhang Gong, professor of economics at the University of International Business and Economy. Gentlemen, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. Yes, it's been a long time. So Rishi Sunak won the, the race to be the prime minister this time without vote as he was the only candidate with over 100 MPs support. He lost the race last time against Liz Truss. That was only, okay, six weeks ago. <laughs> how what, time flies. <laughs> how time flies. What changed, though? What changed was uh, Liz Truss. I mean, he, he's getting credit for, for the fact that he said that her, uh, her economic package that she actually put forward with her uh, Chancellor of Exchequer was, you know, fairy tale uh, economics. And it turned out to be that way. I mean, she her first move was other than redecorating uh, 10 Downing Street, <laughs> which I think at is the been, right moment at the right moment, yes, just like her book, which is coming out in six weeks. Uh, <laughs> she uh, she put it in immediately. The British pound fell to the mm -hmm. lowest level it has ever been in history, and in addition to that, the, uh, the bond market just collapsed. Uh, you know, they were admonished. Uh, by the U.S., by the international, the IMF, the World Bank, everyone said, what on earth are you thinking? And it was this idea that at a time when, you know, people are suffering, living paycheck to paycheck, which is shrinking due to inflation, her, her big thing was, let's cut the taxes for rich and corporations. It, it just was the absolutely wrong note. But the issue, though, is that the conservatives knew what she was proposing, and they voted for her in over uh, Richie Sunak. Now they're going back, uh, and they're saying, "Okay, well, we'll have uh, we'll have Richie." I mean, you know, he, he's he's okay. But it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition. Uh, the person they rejected is now the person that they're looking to save their party. Now, remember. You know, you said earlier that he wasn't. There was no party vote on this, but the fact is, the people have not voted on the last yeah. two. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that in just a moment. But uh, you touched on a very important point. I mean, they gave Liz Trust the chance to try out this mm -hmm. thing, which uh, I don't know anybody with economic uh, training <laughs> or, or, or background would probably. Uh, be able to foresee what it might trigger. I mean, there is nobody in the UK government, in the UK, you know, uh, academia or, you know, circles who had no idea what was coming. I mean, how come her plan could fail so miserably? And the more important question, has the lesson been learned? Well, it was an unorthodox plan. Um, you know, normally in, in a time like this, you have to choose between economic development and fighting inflation. I mean, these goals are not so much compatible. You can't have the best of the both worlds at the same time. Now, she is choosing to emphasize on the economic side, while at the same time, essentially, 
not just ignore, in my view, but also it's, it's likely to exacerbate the inflationary pressure. And that's just going to be disastrous for a lot of people, right? Uh, because the inflation is so high right now, you know, over 10% uh, in UK at this point. And, you know, if, you, if this plan is implemented, it's going to further increase inflation. And usually the people who are living based on paychecks are most likely, are definitely going to suffer from, from inflation like this. So this is politically unacceptable. Yeah, but did people not know it? I mean, did the decision makers not know the con the potential consequences <laughs> it, of such a plan? It, I, I think it's in intriguing that they would still vote for her, knowing that she has a plan like this. I think some of the people on the conservative side probably see this as, as maybe as a chance to go through, and then they're seeing you know massive, massive resistance, um, and and you know you probably have seen this uh, exchange in, in in the in the parliament and. You know, like this is gone. These people are gone as well. Why is she still there, right? <laughs> so it was a it was a hilarious thing, and and eventually I think the the political pressure is so much that uh, even though she claims to be a um, a, a fighter, <laughs> not a quitter, oh, she quits eventually. Well, <clears throat> yeah, she quitted eventually, and the Tory party ditched her. It is very fair to say. But now is Sunak fit for purpose? No. And, and I, I don't mean that as an indictment of his, his character. He's a, a typical elite. He is, his wife is one of the richest people in Britain, although she doesn't pay taxes. Kind of an issue when you were previously Chancellor of the Exchequer, which means you were in charge of collecting taxes. Nothing has changed, uh, and nothing in Britain has changed. So, I mean, the, the Conservative Party is still the party of, of business. Uh, they, they want to figure out some sort of growth strategy. But at a time when there's inflation, they're not equipped to go out and, and uh, really address the needs of the ordinary people who are out there who are suffering. And a lot of these people were the ones who voted for them. Um, you know, you've already had uh, you know, various racist uh, things against him. I mean, remember, this was the party that said Brexit. All right. And why did they do that? Many, many in Britain felt that their country was being uh, you know, overwhelmed by those people. Of course, those people being people who weren't mm. white. And now they have a prime minister who, coincidentally, is not white. So what happened seven years ago has now resulted in perhaps a very ironic twist that they have somebody who doesn't represent their color. Yeah, nevertheless, um, Sunak was very, looked very determined, although he was not flamboyant when he was giving that statement. After being put in that place, he said uh, the country faces a profound mm -hmm. economic crisis. Mm -hmm. So, Professor John, from an economic point of view still, what could be his solutions? Is he giving out the right signal? And they're not repeating the same mistakes that Liz Truss was making. Well, I think that the, currently um, there's actually he doesn't even have the luxury to talk about economic growth. And right now it's all fighting inflation. And and to fight inflation, you have to raise interest rate. You have to have uh, fiscal tightening. Um, so these other things are all anti-growth. So I think in the short run, the British economy is not going to go anywhere. Uh, and I think aside from the inflation issue, there's also a, uh, in my view, a structural problem with this very profound, profoundly longer time of economic stagnation for, for the United Kingdom. It claims to be a global Britain, but it's actually not, right? I mean, it's becoming a you might be becoming a fringe in, in, in European you know, continent, vis-a-vis you know, -vis European continent. It's, all the benefits of 
socialist European Union is all gone now. Um, so, so I think it's um, it's very difficult for 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 for, for, for him right now, and um, you know I don't see how he can get out of this hole anytime soon, anytime easier. I'm, I'm going to disagree with John a little bit on this. Uh, it's two kinds of inflation. There's a supply side inflation, which is what is driving this. We're talking about energy and food Price right is now. Going up, Price yeah. is going up. Right. You cannot. I don't care how much fiscal austerity and how many times you raise interest rates, it's going to have a very marginal effect. I still have to eat, I still need to heat my house, and I still need to run my businesses. And then you have uh, you know, the demand side. Yes, fiscal policy can affect very much demand side. But at this juncture, they have to start uh, dealing with the supply side issues and you know the real pain and misery of their people. If I can't heat my home, I don't have food for my children, I, I can't pay my uh, mortgage, this is real pain. And unfortunately, the conservatives are not up to that. They, they are always the things, well, it's tough, let the market do it, some have to fail. But right now, it's the majority of people who are looking at failure. And the market is not being very friendly uh, in terms of energy prices. Yeah. And see, 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 okay, so no, I totally agree. Actually, I actually wrote an article uh, uh, published in you know, uh, oh, yes. South China Morning Post. Yeah. So this is definitely a supply-side induced inflation. There's no doubt about it. Um, but the problem to fight inflation is actually very limited. Typically, it just raise interest rates, even though you know it's trying to slow down both demand and supply, okay? Um, the solution really is, is not so much of an economic policy. It should be a political solution, right? I mean, the, the fundamental cause of the food and energy prices is because of this war in Ukraine. And, you know, economic policy cannot resolve this problem. So I think, um, you know, looking forward, I think uh, as long as this war is still going on, as long as Ukraine and Russia remains to be the, uh, the major suppliers of food, grain, and, and energy as well for Russia, there's what no can, hope. What can Rishi do then? That's, that's, a, that's is, a, no, is, nothing. <laughs> he can't change it. Unless and how can. much time does he have? He has no time and no options. So are we going to see a continuation of the shifting? It was a plate full of platitudes. I mean, look at it. Was there one instance where he put forward a policy that's going to change anything? Right. If he, if, yeah, I agree with John. If he but what wanted, can he do then? Well, this the, is the you question. have to think outside the box. He has to stop saying that I'm going to fight Russia uh, and support Ukraine, fight China, fight the EU. He has to bring this all ahead. It was a mistake to do Brexit in the first place. So he cannot undo in 10 minutes what was coming for the last seven years. All right. So they have big problems with the EU. They have to settle that. They have uh, things. He should be saying, look, for the sake of Britain, interest and the people that I represent, we need to start talking about peace uh, in Ukraine. We need to settle Does things. Does he with have the, the political leeway no. to do that? No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Problem. The conservatives, th this would be a 180 degree turn for the conservatives. It would be very difficult for him politically to sell that to his, even his own party. But I mean, external problems, of course, everybody faces external problems. Some country cope better, some country cope not so well. I mean, are we looking at just policy or competence issues, or are we looking at some deeper issues? I mean, um, the constant, you know, okay, Tory parties say, okay, today we give you a chance, oh, you're not good enough, then we ditch you, we, we choose another one. 
is that going and they're divided over a lot of issues you know right. brexit economic management immigration and so on and so forth. so is there a deeper problem or it's just on a superficial well, level I, I think there's a deeper problem with the british economy um and i think there's some talks already about britain political system becoming like the italians right i mean it's, uh, uh, it's yeah, like brittle brittle uh, yes okay yeah that's right so um you know frequent changes of uh, power you know that's it's probably likely in, in uk um, I would still give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if you look at what he's talking about, he doesn't really put out any concrete stuff, any concrete well, yeah, policies, yeah, but right? right now you're an emergency. Concrete right. so, is good. So he is a, you know, he, he, he appears to be talking nicely, and, and we'll just give him the benefit of the doubt and of see course. if he can indeed, you know, implement something, you know, of a concrete nature, effective in nature. Of course, a daunting task. But uh, what about China? What do you expect for China? Your guess, Aina. Okay, so he, he's an elite. Briefly, please. Yeah. Yeah. He's an elite. Uh, he said in the past that he sees China as the big, uh, big threat to uh, Great Britain. But uh, like a lot of politicians, once he's dealing with the realities and the fact that they need a, a, an economic boost, I think that he will moderate his tone. John? I think um, his talk has been, you know, fairly anti-China for the past. Uh, but typically, a politician like this you know, usually changes tone after he takes power. But I do worry that, um, you know, from his um, ethnic background, just being very honest about this, I think a lot of Indian people, Indian diaspora uh, that I've come across, um, they tend to be a little bit anti-China, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't know how much of that plays a role in his thinking. Mm. Um, so we'll have to wait and see if, yeah. uh, if that's the case. Okay, <coughs> let's give him the benefit of yes. the doubt, as you said. Uh, many thanks to Professor John Gong and Aina Tangan, as always. And uh, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, my talk with the Mozambican ambassador to China, she tells me what she makes of the recently concluded the 20th National Congress of the Communist Party of China. Stay with us. Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point. What does China's growth have to do with the people of Mozambique in Africa? The 20th National Congress of the Communist Party of China ended just a few days ago. So let's look at how the outcome of this meeting will affect China-Mozambican relations on the ambassadorial level. And what do African people expect from China's modernization in the next stage? Earlier, I sat down with Her Excellency Maria Gustava, the Mozambican ambassador to China, in my first question and asked about her major takeaways from President Xi Jinping's report to the 20th CPC National Congress. Uh, first is the great achievement of the Chinese people, the government of the, the China on the poverty eradication. This is the major uh, achievement that we admire as Mozambique and Africa. This is still a big challenge for the world and a, a challenge for most of developing countries like Mozambique. So we inspire from the Chinese effort to eradicate the poverty like a model for us. This is one. And the second one is the building of a modern, uh, prosperous country. As you know, China is a second uh, world economy and is making a huge contribution for its achievement for the world, uh, for Mozambique, for the African country, because now China has become a major partner for trade, a major partner 
for the investment and also has become a major partner for most of the issues in the international world. And, and the third one is the great courage of the Chinese people to move to the, a new era of modernization. Yeah, what is your takeaway from President Xi's report? Do you see all of the things that you just mentioned right now, the, the fight against poverty, the fight against you know, the problems in the world, do you see these being continuously addressed under the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party in the next five years? Is that what you're reading or something else? Yes, because from what we heard from the report is that the China is going to continue to work to bring all people, all Chinese people, all ethnic groups, all corner of the China to build a modernization of this uh, great country, which is going to give a, a great contribution again for, for the world and especially for our cooperation because uh, as China is going to give more emphasis for the science and technology and for the education and for other research and many of the things. So, so we are looking to work with the China and also to see what we can learn and we can uh, exchange experience from that. And for the China to become more modern, we're going to give contribution for, for our countries for the achievement that they because normally China shares all the achievement with the world. Can you give an example of that as China continues to develop? What would it be for Mozambique to learn from or to cooperate or to tap into? I will take it for the for the agriculture issues. We have been receiving uh, a Chinese uh, technician to share the experience, to, to give us the expertise on how to produce more to have the food security in our country. And also this country has been uh, giving the scholarship to our young people to learn more and to get acknowledgement from what they are, uh, are getting. So this is, is a great contribution for our, our, our people to also to fight against uh, poverty and also to, to for, for development. So we really we, we value we value that because uh, China it always share you know experience and also is going out there and then is promoting the, the trade with our countries and also is is promoting the development of our infrastructure uh, taking from the experience and from the research that is getting so this all is good because we yeah, we are part of all uh, this development that is, is is helping in China right now yeah. as the African countries yes yeah president xi jinping also high standard opening up in the report he said China will expand institutional opening up in terms of rules regulations management standards how do you look at this emphasis this is good in the way that right now this is a globalized world so China cannot develop in isolation so it is better to be open to the world and to also to follow the rules that has been following already, but to to follow the the international rules and to build up more higher standards for the livelihood of the people of Chinese people and also for the world as a such. So we look at the opening up of of China as a good good thing that uh, because. Uh, 
it can bring experience also from out there like even for our country we have on something to share with with, with china uh, we can be like a developing country but we have a lot, still a lot to share so the chinese is, is really open up more so we can uh, work together and china can benefit and our country also can benefit no country can live in isolation and also to build a high quality is good too because that will bring a high quality for the life of our people as well mm. and also will will bring more development and prosperous for the nation we th- we look this that uh, to uh, in terms of uh, the condition of china and look for the cultural the conditions and uh, not copy and past as a good thing as well, because each country has got its own reality, its own condition. So developing, taking into account the reality and the condition of the Chinese culture and development is a good thing as well. Yeah. How open and how mutually respectful would you say your Chinese counterpart is while you are trying to build bridge between China and Mozambique over the past couple of years? You've been China since 2018, and how has the experience been? Uh, China and Mozambique, first we share the same values. We share the same principles, and we have been a very good friends. A friendship is a good basis for development because this brings the people together and for the knowledge and to share because when they the friendship we can share freely and the trust and the confidence that exists between the the two countries is something good so this is really flourishing our our cooperation at high level from the president our presidents are very you know close and our people as well and our business people also they are they're interacting to to build economic path in in all spheres we are we are seeing a lot of chinese people going to mozambique to look for the business opportunities Mm -hmm. and also we see the mozambican people coming to china to look for the business opportunity as well uh so this is is something good that uh, we we are looking for that it can uh, develop even further yeah? yeah for a very high, because now we have established a strategic partnership between the two countries. So this strategic partnership is, 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 is a concept and something that is good for, for, for the two in, countries and two peoples. Yeah. In the beginning of September this year, China scrapped duties for 98% of products imported from 16 developing countries, including Mozambique. What sectors will benefit the most? Uh, Mozambique is really very happy for these uh, opportunities and our business people are really looking forward to, to export more to China. And we, we can see a lot of uh, companies, they want to register themselves to export. We are looking to export exports our agricultural product we have a lot of agricultural product to export to china for instance well for for instance we have macadamia we have a cashew nuts we have peanuts we have a different type of beans we have sesams and uh, we have soya so many products that we can uh, mm-hmm. export to china including coffee so and also we are looking forward to 
to export to China more seafood products. Uh, product as you know mozambique is very uh, famous and as one of uh, major exporter for the sea product i know that so i've this, been to mozambique i've been to your fish market by the sea it was wonderful yes so we we are looking forward to export some more of these products to to, to china and also this is we see as a window for more chinese people to go to mozambique to invest in this area so they can export back to China because China is a big market. Mm -hmm. It's a big market. So it, it gives uh, for our private uh, sector opportunity to export and also give the Chinese people opportunity to invest, to ex export again right. uh, and to China. So well, for both countries, yeah. can benefit. Infrastructure is another big part of bilateral cooperation. I know the Maputo-Katembe Bridge, which is Africa's longest suspension bridge connecting South Africa and Mozambique, has been completed and is now open to traffic. It took four years to construct. So how beneficial has it been so far? Uh, no country can develop without infrastructure. And uh, China is uh, helping our country to develop infrastructure and we really uh, we appreciate this so the bridge is the one of of those infrastructure that is uh, having a huge impact in our economy especially in the tourism as you know in the ponta do uh, we have a lot of uh, tourist resorts so now with this bridge we can witness a lot of uh, Mozambican foreigners going to these areas because uh, it's easy to reach there. Mm -hmm. And also it is now easy to reach South Africa from there. So also it's helping our connection, not only within the country, but also with our neighboring country. We're talking about Swatini, we're talking about South Africa. So this development is really a very exciting and is contributing for our economy and is contributing for our the movement of our people. So we are really looking forward to, to have more investment in infrastructure, especially in the roads. We have the national roads. Right now, there are quite a number of Chinese companies in Mozambique working in, in infrastructure, and we are looking to do more together. Thank you so much, Your Excellency Maria Gustava, the ambassador of Mozambique to China. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, as I said, um, China is a home for me. I'm really delighted to be here. I'm really very happy to be in China and to be ambassador in this great country. With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Li Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Li Xin in Beijing.